Good morning, Doxa Church. Guys, if you're tuning into this live stream and you're new, my name is Rob. I'm one of the pastors here. It's, it's great to have you with us today to celebrate Easter. Big day today, right? I mean, Easter Sunday. Like for, for Christians, I mean, this is like our, our Super Bowl, right? It's a big day, guys, that the, the, the sadness of Friday, the silence of Saturday has now erupted into celebration today on Easter Sunday because Jesus is alive and Jesus is risen. Amen? I'm talking to a camera, so I can't really hear you, but you can still communicate with me. But he's risen, right? He's alive. This is what Easter is all about, the resurrection of Jesus. Now, as we, we consider this idea of, of the resurrection today, guys, I want to start by asking you a question, all right? And, it, and it's this, okay? Why are you here? All right, and this is not to be like a, an existential question, like, oh my gosh, like, why am I alive, right? <laughs> Don't think too much about this, but like, literally, like, why are you here? Like, why are you tuned into this live stream right now? I just want you to consider that. And I, and I know that there's probably so many different answers to that. For, for some of you, you're just excited. You've been waiting for this. Like you, you're here to worship Jesus. Others of you, you're, you're stuck in quarantine with mom and dad and they're making you do the Easter thing. Others of you, you're scrolling bored this morning. You, you clicked on this link and you see me, hey, right? There's so many different reasons why we could be here. But guys, I wanna give you another narrative to consider that I really believe fits every single one of us. And it's this. Guys, we are all here and we're all tuned in right now because the resurrection of Jesus has changed billions of people throughout human history and those people have taken the words and the truths of Jesus seriously. And I wanna demonstrate to you what I'm talking about. So what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna basically give you like a, a brief flyover of world history in the wake of the resurrection and I just want you to watch what has happened since the very first Easter, okay? Listen to this, okay? In 33 AD, the man Jesus Christ was killed on a cross. Three days later, he, he comes back to life. He, he tells his followers to go and tell the people of the world that he is alive, that there's good news of, of hope and forgiveness of sin. And he tells to take this gospel message to the ends of the world. And those original followers, around 120 of them, these people, they start telling the world around them, their families, their friends, their neighborhoods, other neighboring countries, what they saw in the resurrection. And within weeks, within months, thousands of people start following Jesus. And from here, things just start to move like really, really quickly. In 42 AD, Mark, one of Jesus' disciples, he goes to Egypt to preach the gospel. In 49 AD, the apostle Paul goes to Turkey to do the same thing. In 51, Paul goes to Greece again with the message of Jesus and his resurrection. In 52 AD, the apostle Thomas heads to India. In 54 AD, Paul heads on his third missionary journey, planting some of the first churches in the name and the resurrection of Jesus. In 174 AD, the first Christians are reported in Austria. By 350 AD, 31.7 million, or roughly 53% of the Roman Empire, decided to follow Jesus. In 432 AD, St. Patrick took the gospel of Jesus to Ireland. We just celebrated this with St. Patrick's Day, right? We do this in a weird way, right? We go out and drink green beer until we're cross-eyed, and then we pinch each other. Or not we, I didn't do, anyway. 596 AD, Gregory the Great sends St. Augustine and a team of missionaries to what is now England to reintroduce the gospel to these people. And hear this, within the first two years, 
there were 10,000 people who decided to follow Jesus. 635 AD, the first missionaries arrive in China. 900 AD, missionaries reach Norway. By 1200 AD, the Bible is available in 22 different languages. In 1382 AD, the first Bible is translated into English. 1498, the first Christians are reported in Kenya. In 1501, Pope Alexander VI gives Spain all the newly discovered countries of the America with the instructions that all the natives be taught about the gospel of Jesus. In 1537, Pope Paul III orders that the Indians of the Americas be brought to faith and taught about Jesus in two ways. He says, number one, go there and open up the Bible and teach them. And number two, live like Jesus and win them with love. In 1671, Quaker missionaries arrive on the Carolina coast In 1845, the Southern Baptist Mission Organization is founded to reach the world with the gospel. In 1951, a man named Bill Bright starts Campus Crusade for Christ to reach the growing number of college students in North America. In 1952, a boy named Tom Nesbitt was invited to a Christian camp where he heard the gospel of Jesus and became a Christian. In 1954, at the age of 16, Tom Nesbitt becomes a pastor and in 1976 moves to a podunk town in Iowa where there's more pigs than people named Ames. With his growing family family. in 1986, Tom Nesbitt's son Troy becomes the director of the Baptist Student Union in Ames, which he then renames the Salt Company. In 1994, the Salt Company, which had 200 students and 24 city members, decided to start Cornerstone Church of Ames. And in 2010, Cornerstone Church and the Salt Company, they plant their first church and Salt Company in Iowa City at the University of Iowa. In 2016, the idea of the Salt Network was birthed with the goal of planting over 400 churches in the next 20 years. And as a result of that, in 2018, a group of recent college graduates and young families moved to Madison, Wisconsin, praying that God would bring about a church and a college ministry that would exist for the glory of God and the good of our great city of Madison. And in September 2018, the doors of Doxa Church were officially opened. And today, Sunday, April 12th, 2020, we sit here looking at this screen, being part of what is going on for thousands of years. Guys, that we are all caught up in a story that God has been writing by the people who have been radically changed by the resurrection of Jesus and took what Jesus said seriously. And this is ultimately why the reason that any of us are tuned in right now. This is the aftermath of the very first Easter and the resurrection of Jesus. That the resurrection has changed everything. It's changed individual stories. It's changed families, eternities, cities, countries, and the world has quite honestly never been the same. And the power to make all of this unfold, the power to make all of this come to be is the truth that Jesus is alive, that Jesus is risen, that Jesus is reigning. This is Easter. And this is really the sine qua non of Christianity because I want you just to consider this, okay? Because if Jesus is dead, then Christianity is dead. But if Jesus is alive, then Christianity is alive. And when we talk about the Christian faith, guys, we're we're not talking about organized religion. We're ultimately talking about a man. And we're not just talking about a good man or a nice man, a faithful man, a kind man. We're ultimately talking about the God man, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ stands as this towering figure throughout the history of the world. And even in his name, there's so much for us to learn. The name Jesus literally means that God is our savior. 
And this is so significant for us to know in our world today because many people around us will try and put Christianity in the same category as other religions. And I've said it before, but I need to say it again today on Easter that the truth is, guys, that Christianity doesn't fit in the category of other religions. Because other religions will teach us how to save ourselves. They'll, they'll teach us how to do things with our, uh, with our lives to, to make ourselves like acceptable in the sight of God. They'll, they'll teach us that we need to reincarnate and pay off our karmic debt. They'll, they'll teach us that we need to live a good life and make sure our good deeds outweigh our bad deeds. But we just need to know and be reminded of the truth that Christianity is absolutely emphatically antithetical to that ideology because it's not that we save ourselves, but it's that God is our savior. And the name of Jesus that we celebrate on Easter is just screaming out this truth to the world that God loves. And so his name is Jesus, God is our savior, but also Christ, Jesus Christ, which means the anointed one, the chosen one, the special one. And the truth is, is that Jesus is special. He is significant, that he's not just a good man, but he's the God man. And there's no one equal to Jesus. There's no one that stands alongside Jesus. There's no one even in the same category as Jesus, that Jesus Christ stands alone. And no one has changed the world like Jesus has. I mean, so much so that a few billion people around the world gather together weekly to worship him as Lord, God, Savior, Christ, and King. And if you think about it, I mean, even human history literally divides at his birth into BC, meaning before Christ, and AD, Anno Domini, meaning the year of our Lord, that Jesus has changed everything. And today, we remember and we celebrate the biggest moment the most significant moment in the history of the world, the resurrection of Jesus. So grab your Bible and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Okay, if, if you're kind of new to Doxa, guys, every, every family kind of has its, its thing. As we gather as the family of, of Doxa, we, we gather around the Bible and we seek to hear from God. And by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, we respond to what we hear, thereby becoming the men and women that he's created us to be for his glory and the good of our city, our state, our nation, in our world. But today, we're gonna to look at a mountain of a chapter in the Bible. And it gives us the truth and really just kind of a, an overarching theology of the resurrection of Jesus, explaining what it means for us today, what it means for you today as you sit and watch your screen right now. And we're not gonna be able to look at all 58 verses in 1 Corinthians 15, but what I wanna do is I wanna give you five things Five things from this chapter that the resurrection means for us today. And the first is this. Jesus died and rose for us. All right, that the resurrection is for you. Look at verse one. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the words I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance, I want you to underline that, first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Because this is the gospel, all right? This is the gospel and what Paul says is of first importance. And, and here's what this really means, okay? I don't know exactly what's going on in every single one of your lives, okay? I, I know what's going on kind of globally and how this pandemic is affecting all of our lives in, in some way, but I don't know exactly what's happening in your life individually right now, but I do know this. 
that if you don't know Jesus, you need Jesus. Just like me, just like every single person in this world. That the most important thing, more important than anything, more important than everything, is that you know Jesus. And, and I just want you to know this, and, and Christians, I want you to remind it, be reminded of this, that God doesn't just love the large numbers of Christians gathered around the world worshiping him on Easter. That God doesn't just love numbers, but he loves faces. He loves you. Someone tuning in right now needs to hear this for the first time and be reminded of this, that God loves you. He loves you, and he sees you. And he's got a plan to seek you and to serve you and to save you, not because you're great, but because he's great. And this is what the gospel is all about. And when we talk about this idea of the gospel, I mean, this is what the Bible is all about. This is what our church is all about. And I, let me just explain it like this, okay? Today, we're, we're living through this, this viral pandemic. And as we do this, the world is, is greatly concerned with the suffering and the dying of people as a result of this virus. And so we sit. We sit quarantined in our homes and, and we basically just await a vaccine to end the dying of people around the world today. And perhaps as I thought about this, you know, perhaps never in our lifetime have we ever seen the world more concerned with the suffering of people. And, you know, we live in a day where, where it's almost like vogue to, to have compassion for others, to really just have a sense of grief for their suffering. And, and that's all good. That's all right. I mean, God feels that same thing as he looks at the suffering of people. But I want you just to hear this. Because if we're really concerned about the suffering of people, the most important suffering that we must concern ourselves with is not, is not pandemic, it's not viral, it's not even physical suffering, but it's, it's eternal suffering. Okay, it's the eternal suffering that those who would die apart from faith in Jesus will have. And quite honestly, this is why Easter is such a good day. This is why Easter is about celebration, that God saw the suffering of the people that he loves, that he created, and he saw the eternal suffering that we are all walking towards as a result of our sin. And Jesus came into human history. He came and he suffered and he died and he raised so that eternal suffering doesn't have to be our end. And some of you just need to know today that the biggest problem in your life, it's not viral. It's not COVID-19. It's not relational or marital or racial or occupational, but it's sin. That sin is at the root of all of our issues, all of our brokenness, all of the things in this world. And sin is just anything and everything that's in opposition to who God is and what God says. And the nature of sin is that sin separates. It separates us from God and it separates us from each other. And every single person that lives, every single person that has lived has an issue of sin. Myself, the greatest people that you know, your grandma that's been a Christian since she came out of the womb. We all have a sin issue. And the reality is, is if our sin is not dealt with, if it's not reconciled, if it's not forgiven, if it's not mediated, eternal separation and eternal suffering apart from God will be all of our realities. But God has the, the two greatest words in the Bible. But God, 
But God, in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our rebellion, that God lovingly came into human history as the man Jesus Christ. That he lived a perfect life that I can't live, a life without sin. He died a death that I should have died, the debt for my sin. And he raised back to life from death, achieving the one thing that I could never grasp hold of on my own, the forgiveness of my sin in a reconciled relationship with God. Guys, this is the incredible good news of the gospel and the resurrection of Jesus. And throughout the Bible, we're repeatedly told of the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. I mean, the Bible is just peppered with this. I mean, it's, it's the culmination of all the Bible. And as the Bible speaks of these events, it then uses this little word for to show us the significance, the theological significance of what it means for us. And so in the Bible, you have like the event of the crucifixion and the resurrection, the little word for, and then it's significant for us. And this little word for has massive implications for us. I wanna show you what, I'm, what I mean, okay? I'm gonna go kind of quick and through just kind of the testimony through the Bible. And you can write down these verses, don't worry about turning into them. At Isaiah 53, five says it this way. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. Romans 4.25 says he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this is that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 8.34, Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. 1 Corinthians 15.3 says that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised. 2 Corinthians 5.15, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but live for the one who died for them and was raised again. 1 Peter 3.18 for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. In 1 John 2, 2, he is the propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Guys, here is why the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus is the most great, good, amazing, world-changing, eternity-altering news. It is for us. It's for you. It's for me. The resurrection shows us that Jesus died and rose for us. And this good news, this gospel news, this incredible Easter news of all the headlines that you can read in the news today about all that's going on in the world, this is the greatest headline of all, that Jesus did it for you. He did it for us. Guys, this is great gospel Easter news. The second thing that the resurrection means for us is this, is that our faith is well-founded. Look at verse 14. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have also fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most pitied. But underline this. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Guys, the truth is, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, 
this service, this sermon, my job, our faith, our church. It's all foolish, it's pointless, it's laughable, and it's really all in vain. I mean, look back. Paul says it pointedly in verse 17. He says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. And he continues on in verse 19 that we are the most pitied, foolish people out there. That if Jesus is not raised, then hear this, guys, living for him, doing what he says, following his will is just a great evil delusion and we should be pitied like insane people who live by hallucinations. I mean, this is just a stark truth because apart from the resurrection of Jesus, there is no savior, there is no salvation, there is no forgiveness of sin, there is no hope of eternal life with God. That apart from the resurrection, guys, Jesus is reduced to just another man another dead man who is really no considerable use and help for any of us. And we shouldn't listen to a word he says and we shouldn't certainly give any of our time and any of our worship to him. I mean, plainly stated, Jesus without the resurrection means that a few billion people that are gathered around the world on Easter Sunday, worshiping him as God, are gullible and their hope and their faith is foolish. It's laughable, it's pointless, and it's all in vain. But the truth is, look what Paul says in verse 20, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. And we could look at the historical evidences and and look at the biblical accounts and all these different things, but the fact of the matter is, it's a historical event that's been verified throughout human history. And what this means is that our preaching, our faith, our hope, our joy, our obedience, all of it, it's not in vain, but because of the resurrection, our faith is well-founded. Or to put it more personally, Because of the resurrection of Jesus, there is someone that we can absolutely trust. And I believe that deep in the heart of every single person, every single one of us is a longing for someone that you can count on, that you can lean on through the thick and the thin. Someone who's absolutely trustworthy. Someone whom if you put your faith in them, they're not gonna let you down. It won't be in vain. That they'll always be there. And we have this longing inside every single one of us because we're made for it that God made humanity to be with him and trust him for everything. And that hasn't changed even as sin came into the world. And the death of Jesus proves his love for us and the resurrection proves his power over every enemy of our life. And so there is someone you can count on. There is someone absolutely trustworthy. There is someone who will never let you down. Hear this, Jesus is alive today to be trusted by you. The Apostle Paul says later in in Galatians 2.20 that the life I live, I live by faith of the Son of God whom gave himself for me. And you know, this truth, it really does fly in the face of our our world today that claims that there is no absolute truth. I mean, we live in a world of, of pluralism, of relativism, of syncretism that says everything is more or less relative and we kind of establish and find our own truth. But, but if, you, if you read the Bible and you, you look, look at Jesus, like we have to understand that he came into the world and he said things like, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. That if Jesus is not God, He is the most despicable, damnable, lying man that has ever lived. It's the greatest deception in the world. But Jesus did rise from the dead and as he rose from the dead, he validated and vindicated every one of his claims. He proved himself to be God and he claimed and he proved his claims to have the absolute truth. And so the resurrection for us today 
should give us absolute security for today and for eternity, that God is with us, that God is for us, that God has shown us what is true and he's made a way for us to be with him. This is part of what the resurrection means. And since he's been raised from the dead, this is, hear this, our faith is not in vain. We are not still condemned in our sin. We will have eternal life, that we will never truly die. And because of all of this, because of the truth of all of this, we're actually not people to be pitied at all, but we're people to be envied because we have everything in Jesus through his resurrection. Guys, our faith is well-founded because of what Jesus did on that very first Easter. Such good news. The third thing that the resurrection means for us is this, is that Jesus reigns and helps as our victorious king. Look at verse 25. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. And what Paul is is pointing to here in these verses is the beautiful truth that Jesus reigns as our heavenly, eternal, victorious king who has conquered all things that seek to conquer and destroy us, the people that he loves. That as Jesus raised from the dead, he utterly subdued Satan, sin, death, and hell, defeating them, defeating them for us because they will destroy us as we are powerless against them. And this is something that every single person, myself included, every single person needs. And King Jesus gives us the help and the power and the salvation to make it a reality today, that today, Easter Sunday, can be the day of salvation and help for you. And the extent of Jesus' kingly reign, guys, is against every whiff of opposition in the universe. It's against every whiff of a threat to the people whom God loves. If you look back to verse 25, Paul says that he must reign until he has put, circle this, all, all his enemies under his feet. And that word all, guys, it tells us the extent of Jesus' kingly reign. And here's what this means, guys, that there is no disease There's no virus, there's no addiction, there's no demon, there's no bad habit, there's no fault, there's no vice, there's no weakness, there's no temper, there's no moodiness, there's no pride, there's no self-pity, there's no strife, there's no jealousy, there's no perversion, there's no greed, there's no laziness that Jesus doesn't aim to overcome as the enemy of his honor and his people. And so many of you that are tuned in right now, you've experienced Jesus overcoming these things in your life. I mean, I certainly have. That Jesus has, Jesus has changed me from just a drunk, narcissistic addict, which is all about himself, a womanizing, despicable excuse for a man to who I am today. Not a great man, not even just a really good man, but a redeemed man, a forgiven man, a changed man, becoming the man that God has created me to be by his power through the resurrection. And the encouragement for all of you today is this, is guys, when we set yourself, when you set yourself to do battle with the enemies of your life and the enemies of your faith and the enemies of your holiness and the enemies of your joy, you don't fight alone. That the resurrection has brought the power of God in our lives through the presence of the Holy Spirit. That Jesus is with us, that Jesus is in us, that Jesus is fighting for us. And chances are you've probably seen people like this. People who claim the name of Jesus, worship Jesus, call themselves Christians. And maybe you've had the thought, how do they do it? 
Like how do they have that level of joy? How do they keep themselves from sin? How do they treat their wives and their kids like that? How? And it's tempting to think, oh man, they must have read a lot of books on Amazon. But that's not it. It's someone who has found the power through the resurrection of Jesus and has changed their life in such a way that God is empowering them to live in a way that they cannot live on their own by a power that they do not possess on their own. This is Easter. Jesus' resurrection victory is actually our victory through faith. And he fights for us. The fourth thing that the resurrection means is this, because I, I love this. Death no longer has the last word. Look at verse 54. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is describing the moment when Jesus will return and every believer in Jesus, living and dead, will be transformed into glorified bodies to spend eternity with God. And this is mentioned by the prophet Isaiah whom Paul is referencing here. If you look back, he says, death is swallowed up by victory. As I was thinking about this and about this this week, you know, our world right now is scared to death of death. And the truth is, is we all know that death is a very real thing for every single one of us. And this pandemic outbreak has reminded all of humanity of the reality and the inevitability of death. And through this pandemic, many people have been forced to think about death and ask that question that looms at some point in every person's life is what happens when I die? And the answer to that question is this, is that we will either be in eternity with God in paradise and perfection where there is no sin, there is no suffering, there is no tears, or we will be in eternity without God, apart from any goodness, where there is just sin and suffering and torment in the conscious, terrible reality of hell, which is just eternal suffering, eternal separation from God. And the latter, the thought of being apart from God and his goodness, brings a sting. That's what Paul is saying. And the sting is a, is a sadness, it's a, it's a hopelessness, it's a fear, it's, it's a feeling of just utter despair. And Paul is saying, because of Jesus, it doesn't have to sting anymore. It doesn't have to sting, the death has lost its sting. And this is what Easter is all about. Easter is a declaration that no matter how dark the days may be, sickness and suffering, coronaviruses and cancer, despair and death will not be the end of our story. It's not the end of our story. Easter is a celebration that hope is here and it's for everyone. And it's an invitation to every single one of us to trust in the one who has conquered death. And as a result for us, as even though we will still live in our lives today and we will still suffer through life and physically die because we live in a fallen, broken, sinful world. That the moment we are given redeemed, glorified, resurrected bodies, as Paul describes here, this will be the end of death and the end of suffering. And hear this, the beginning of complete joy, of complete perfection. 
where there is no sting. There's only joy. Easter brings us back to the truth that God, just as he raised the Lord Jesus, he will also raise us up by his power, where we will have eternal life with him, with no death, but just ultimate life, ultimate joy, ultimate satisfaction, to be enjoyed forever. And the fifth thing, the last thing that I'll mention, is that the resurrection, here's what it means for us. All right, that in light of, of all of this that we've talked about with the resurrection, it means that, that we have an obligation. And here's our response, is that we therefore do huge amounts of Jesus' exalting work because none of it's in vain. Look at verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So, so Paul wraps up kind of this, this mountain of a chapter about the resurrection by saying two things. First he says, look at this, be steadfast and immovable. I want you to circle that. Be steadfast and immovable. That in light of all that Jesus has done for us, in light of all that Jesus has given us through the resurrection, Paul says our response is to be faithful to the message of the gospel and to not compromise our belief or our behavior for the sake of the culture that we live in that doesn't seem to care about God, that doesn't love God, that doesn't worship God, that doesn't follow God. And he's reminding us that, that Jesus died for us, that Jesus rose for us, that Jesus saves us, that he empowers us for us not to be conformed to the world, but to be conformed to Jesus. I mean, this is the goal of the Christian life. The apostle Paul says this in Romans eight twenty nine that the goal is to be conformed into the image of Jesus. And so Paul says, be steadfast, be immovable, cling to Jesus with just a death grip and hold on. And the second thing he says is this, look back. Be always abounding in the work of the Lord. Paul is saying that, that our work for Jesus in our lives actually counts and it, and it counts for eternity. He, he's really kind of encouraging us to work hard to build the kingdom of heaven here on earth, in your home, in your neighborhood, in your classroom, in your workplace that Jesus has given us everything to continue what he started. Guys, that the story isn't done yet. The story doesn't end with April 12th, 2020 because people still need to hear about Jesus. And so the question is, and Christian, I'll talk to you. The question is, is will you go to them like Jesus has come to you? This is the question that you have to wrestle with. Guys, that Easter really demands a movement in all of our lives. For those of you who don't know Jesus, the movement that this, this message demands of you is to either move towards Jesus or away from Jesus, that you either accept Jesus or reject Jesus. That Jesus is standing with his arms open waiting for you and to you just been confronted with the gospel, it's either accepting it or rejecting it. And I pray everything that we do, the reason that this church was even started a year and a half ago was for you so that you could hear this message and then know that God loves you, that God came for you, that God died for you, that he made a way for you, that he rose for you. And he wants to seek you and to serve you and to save you today. And I pray that you would make that decision. For those of you who are Christians, 
you love Jesus, you're, you're worshiping Jesus, you're clapping along to the things I'm saying, you're saying amen when I say amen, you know all the Christian stuff that we do, right? Here's the movement for you. It's a movement to go tell the people of the world whom God loves. Jesus did, Jesus does, and Jesus will. The gospel. And so let me end with this. The resurrection means that God gave us everything. That through faith in Jesus, God gives us forgiveness and victory over Satan, sin, death, and hell and the escape of eternal suffering. He gives us a life that doesn't need to be filled with fear but anticipation for complete joy, for complete perfection, for complete satisfaction for eternity. That he gives us the power to live for and like him in the everyday stuff of our lives. He gives us work to do that's, that's not in vain but utterly important so that the people of the world who don't know the joy and the love and the salvation of Jesus, that they can obtain what we have and what we celebrate today. And so I urge you with all my heart this morning, Easter Sunday, to run to Jesus, to come to Jesus, to put your faith in Jesus to cling to Jesus, to open your mouth for Jesus, to worship Jesus. He's did it all so you could have everything. This is Easter Doxa, the greatest headline in the world. Let's pray. God, thank you for what you did on that very first Easter You defeated death for me. You defeated hell for me. You defeated sin for me. And God, I even think about who I used to be and how you came into my life and just kind of power washed my soul. You saved me from myself. You saved me from my sin. And you have changed me. You have brought me into your family, not because of anything that I have done, but because you are so good. You are so great. You are so loving. And God, thank you for my story. Thank you for the thousands of stories around our city of the people that you have redeemed. And I pray that if there is someone tuning in right now, God, that you would speak to them. Show them how much you love them. Empower them and encourage them to take a step towards you so that you can give them everything as they put their faith in you. So God, thanks we get to celebrate today at Easter. And help us just to continue celebrating now and throughout the rest of our days. In Jesus' name, amen.